Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. This week, we're looking at a few ways we can be everyday slayers. We got it started Monday with outsmarting trolls. Tuesday, we embraced the shake. Yesterday, we explored emotional first aid. And today, we're talking imposter syndrome. It seems to creep up any time we find success or when we're striving to achieve greater heights. It's that nagging voice saying we don't deserve it, that feeling that we don't belong here, like we're surrounded by people who are out of our league, like we'll soon be found out. Billionaire co-founder of software company Atlassian, Mike Cannon-Brooks, candidly shares his own story in an effort to expose the universality of imposter syndrome. With no prior business experience and without a grand plan, Mike started a business straight out of college with his friend. Today, they have thousands of employees and millions of people use their software around the planet. And technically, even off the planet, if you count those that are currently on their way to Mars. So you would think Mike knows what he's doing every day when he goes to work. To the contrary, Mike still feels like he often doesn't know what he's doing, and he's felt that way for 15 years. He's come to understand it as imposter syndrome. Mike draws from a wide array of experiences where he felt entirely petrified that he was out of his depth. He uses the example of interviewing his first HR manager, having never worked at a company that had an HR department. He was terrified, wondering what he was even supposed to ask. He reflects on the board meetings in a t-shirt surrounded by suits. And as acronyms flew around, he felt like a five-year-old, writing them down in his notebook just so he could look them up on Wikipedia when he got home. Or in the early days, when people would call and ask for accounts payable, he'd freeze and try to remember if accounts payable meant they wanted money or if they had money to give him. He says, it's not a fear of failure, and it's not a fear of being unable to do it. It's more a sensation of getting away with something, a fear of being discovered that at any time, someone is going to find this out. And if they did figure it out and put an end to it all, you'd honestly think, well, that's fair enough, actually. Now that he's so successful, feeling like or people thinking he's someone he's not actually happens quite frequently. He provides a great example from his recent past when he saw something on Twitter about Tesla, saying they could solve South Australia's rolling series of power crisis with one of their large industrial batteries. And without thinking, he fired off a bunch of tweets, challenging them about whether they were really serious about this. And in doing so, he managed to kick a very small rock off a very big hill that turned into an avalanche that he found himself tumbling in the middle of. Mike recounts that a few hours later, Elon tweeted him back and said that they were deadly serious, that within 100 days of contract signing, they could install a 100 megawatt hour facility, which is a giant battery of a world-class size, one of the biggest ever made on the planet. 
And that's when all hell really broke loose. Within 24 hours, every major media outlet was texting and emailing him to get in contact for an opinion as some sort of expert in energy. Mike goes on to clarify that at the time, he couldn't really tell anyone the difference between a one and a half volt AA battery that goes in a kid's toy and a 100 megawatt per hour industrial scale battery facility that goes in South Australia that could potentially solve the power crisis. To put it simply, he was feeling a chronic case of imposter syndrome. And in this scenario specifically, it got truly bizarre. He distinctly remembers thinking to himself, I've kind of started something here and I can't really get out of it. If I abandon the situation, I'm gonna sort of set back renewables in Australia and maybe just look like a complete idiot because of my idiocy on Twitter. Mike decided the only thing he could do was try not to freeze and to try to learn as much as he could as quickly as he could about industrial scale batteries and the electricity grid and renewables and the economics of all of this and whether this was even a feasible proposal. Mike talked to the chief scientist. He talked to the CSIRO. He had multiple ministers and premiers trying to give him their side of the story from both sides of the aisle. He managed to exchange tweets with the prime minister, and eventually he appeared on ABC Late Line to discuss the possibilities. Mike goes on to explain that as a result of all of this, South Australia did put out a battery tender, and they had more than 90 applications for that battery tender. And the national conversation over a period of just a few months moved from sort of theatrical lumps of coal in the parliament to discussing which kind of industrial-scale battery chemistry was the best for building large-scale renewable batteries. The important lesson is, by that time in his life, he already knew that he was an imposter. He knew he was miles out of his depth. But instead of freezing from it, he'd figured out that the best thing he could do is try to adapt to the situation, to learn as much as he could, to become motivated by his fear of generally looking like an idiot and he tried to turn that into some sort of a force for good. Mike finishes by sharing that he's learned most people think successful people don't feel like frauds. But knowing a lot of entrepreneurs, he knows the opposite is more likely to be true. The most successful people he knows don't question themselves, but they do heavily question, regularly question their ideas and their knowledge. They know when the water is way too deep and they're not afraid to ask for advice. They don't see it as a bad thing, and they use that advice to hone those ideas, to improve them and to learn. In the end, it's okay, even good to be out of your depth sometimes. It's okay to be in a situation where you just can't push the eject button so long as you don't freeze, so long as you harness the situation. Don't be paralyzed and try to turn it into some sort of force for good. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for the final day of our week, Everyday Slayer. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.